going to turn to God's Word just now in Mark chapter 9. Um, as, we, as we kind of come back from magnitude, I was kind of praying, what do we, what do we speak about? What now? Uh, what, where do we go now as God's people in Sandy Hills? And as a youth group in Sandy Hills, what, what happens now? Uh, and we're going to read from Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 2 to verse 8. And this is about the transfiguration. Um, and let's read God's Word together. It'll be on the screens before you or about uh, page 844 of the Pew Bibles. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. Amen. And God, we pray that as we turn to your word for a few moments now, that we would sense you speaking to us, for we know that your word is living and it is active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. And we thank you, Father, that it pierces to the very center of our hearts. So, Lord, still us, help us, as Eric has said, to be still and know that you are God. And help us to hear what you have to say to us this morning. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Honestly, what a week we've had. And you can probably sense just the excitement and joy and just the sense of awe from all young people, from the leaders that were there as well, as we saw God move in, in power. And I can honestly say that I have never been so blessed by seeing God at work in each of the young people that came with us. And each one of them, um, every single one of us who were there had some sort of experience of God, whether that was you know, whether we were weeping, whether there was a filling of the Holy Spirit, whether there was that sense of, of peace that came, whether it was a sense of the overflow of the love of the Father for one another, each one of us had an experience of God drawing near. Over 1,100 young people gathered to worship at magnitude. Over 1,000 people in a tent. 1,100 people were there. And what I love is that even though there was such a big number of people there that God had time to meet with each one of us. And actually he knows us and he loves us and there's not one more special than the other to God. And very briefly, I want us to look at this passage in Mark's gospel this morning, which is known as the Transfiguration. And in it, we've read that Jesus goes up a mountain with um, kind of what was known as the inner circle, uh, Peter, James, and John. And they were three of the disciples who Jesus, you see this throughout Jesus' ministry, that there's times he works with the 72, and then there's times he works with the 12, and then there's other times where he works with the three. And, and, and here he takes these three, these, this inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and they go up a high mountain. And in Luke's account of this, we read that the, the, the reason they're going up this mountain is so that Jesus can pray. And I love the fact that it tells us it's a high mountain. And in the Bible, often a high mountain was a place of revelation. We see it throughout the Old Testament when they go up a high mountain. Where does Moses often go to get close to God and to speak to God? It's up a mountain, up a high mountain. 
And off they go up this high mountain. Now, I think about what it was like for me going up Tinto a few months ago as a church. And that was massive for my little legs. Honestly, I struggled going up that massive mountain. Uh, and, and I think about how at parts it was difficult and, you know, was it worthwhile? It, you know, could, it, could I be bothered putting my next foot in front of the other? And perhaps that's because actually when we press in, it's not easy. It isn't easy pressing into God. It takes time. It takes energy. We have to sacrifice things in our life to press into God. It's not, it's, you know, if, if, it was, if it was easy, we would not even have to go up the high mountain. They could have just stayed at the bottom. But there was something about the disciples and Jesus going up this high mountain and setting aside time in their lives to draw close to God. And perhaps before the biggest revelations we have in life and before the biggest revelations we're going to receive, we go through some of the biggest struggles and challenges that happen to us. A few of the young people, when they were speaking there, they shared that actually this last year has been incredibly difficult for them. It's been hard. And actually, for some of them, if we're we're honest, they could have gone, you know what? I can't be bothered going to Magnitude this year. I feel distant from God. I don't feel Him. But actually, they knew that they needed to press in. They knew that even though there was stuff going on in their lives, they had to go. And off they went up this high mountain. It was hard for them to get there. But it was worthwhile because... As the disciples, as we see here with the transfiguration, as they walk up a mountain, and it's a high mountain, but it's worth it because they're about to receive, as they spend time with Jesus up this high mountain, the disciples, they receive the biggest revelation as to who Jesus is they've ever seen in their lives. And that revelation was that they saw Jesus transfigure before them. Now, we've had some incredible encounters with God whilst we were away, and It's really hard, and Jack testified to this, it's hard to explain and to put into words what God did in our lives and what God was doing there. And even as someone who's been a Christian for over maybe 15 years and someone who's been in ministry and gone through theological training and all these different things, it's still really hard to put into words what God does. It's hard to explain a move of God. It's hard to explain the work of God, and maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's some of our issues sitting here this morning, is that actually we're waiting for the perfect explanation as to who God is. But friends, we can't explain Him. We can't explain God. He is God, and if we could fully fathom Him, if we could fully wrap our heads around Him, He wouldn't be God. There is a mystery that surrounds Him. Um, When we catch a glimpse of that mystery, it's so hard for us to explain as to what we've seen or what we've witnessed or what we've heard or what has happened. Think of Moses in the burning bush. He goes and he's looking after Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep, and all of a sudden he sees this bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. How do you explain that when you go back to Jethro? How do you explain that you've seen this bush, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed? And not only that, this bush spoke to me and it told me to take my sandals off. How do you explain that? Well, you do it the best of your ability. Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. Can you imagine going back home after his mission experience 
and saying, guys, you're never going to believe what happened. I tried to run from God, but this storm happened, so I jumped over the side, and all of a sudden, this big fish swallowed me, and it was in, I was inside it for three days, and it spat me out right beside me the place I needed to go. That sounds crazy. Daniel in the lion's den. Guys, you'll never believe what happened to me. I got chucked into this den, and there was lions in it, and an angel came, and it closed the mouth of the lions. And actually, the lions didn't even come near me. Or the time where they're walking around the walls of Jericho and we had to blast the trumpets this number of times and we had to walk around this number of times and all of a sudden the walls fell down. And what we do because of the mystery and because of us not being able to comprehend it, sadly, so many of us think, well, surely that didn't really happen. That's just symbolic. Hence, I believe everything the Bible says. And I embrace the mystery. That's why it's faith. That's why we live by faith and not by sight. And here we have the disciples seeing Jesus transfigure before them. And they had experienced that the young people had at magnitude, and they were as real as the shoes on your feet. But humanly speaking, maybe it's really hard for them to articulate what God has done. But God moved, God was at work. And even the disciples, when they encounter this incredible thing, this revelation they see of the transfiguration, they struggle to explain what happens. How do you explain that this guy you've worked with and you've seen do amazing miracles, that at the top of this mountain, all of a sudden, he, he, this incredible light comes, and, and actually, we, 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 the way that they explain it is that it's as if, it was a t-shirt that was really bleached, but more bleached than anyone could bleach on this world. They tried to put it into human terms. And they used the word transfigured, which is where we get the word metamorphosis from, which means the change in form or nature of a thing or a person into a completely different one. And the way they describe it and explain it is that they, they talk about the physical appearance of Jesus changing before their very eyes. More bleached, a t-shirt more bleached than they could ever be bleached by a human. That's how they try and explain this dramatic encounter that they've witnessed. And what they're trying to testify to there is the whiteness and the, the brightness and the purity of Jesus that they catch a glimpse of. And it reminds me of when Moses says to, to Yahweh on the mountaintop, you know, show me your glory. Or we think about the Arionic blessing. His face shines upon you. That's what they're experiencing here. Jesus looked heavenly. He goes from being just looking like a human being and he begins to look somewhat heavenly before them. And I think it's what John says in John chapter 1. We have seen his glory. That's what they see here. They see the glory of Christ. But only a droplet on it. Because no man can look upon the Father. No man can look upon God's face and survive. Such is the purity and such is his glory. Think of Philippians says, he set aside his glory. And in a moment here, they see something of the glory of Jesus before them. And then all of a sudden, as if this couldn't get any more bonkers, two men appear. Elijah and Moses. They appear beside Jesus. And what this shows us is that 
Moses has been the, the, the one that reminds us of the law, and Elijah being the one who reminds us of the prophets, that, that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the whole of the Old Testament. The New Testament isn't anything new. It doesn't replace that which has gone before, but Jesus is the ultimate and the perfect um, completion and fulfillment of all that has gone before. He doesn't come to abolish the law. He, com- he comes to fulfill it. That he is the fulfillment of all the law spoke of and all the prophets testified about. Friends, the Old and New Testament don't contradict one another. The two go perfectly together. It is one book. And just as we close, I just very, want to, very quickly want to speak about this one little point. And I think it's, if we're honest, most of us, anyone who's ever been to a big kind of Christian event or, or experience God move, whether that be Keswick, whether that be Magnitude, whatever it's been, we all want to do this thing that Peter has just done here. Let's set up camp. Let's stay close to where this wonderful experience that we've had. And many of the young people said, we don't want to go home. We want to stay camping in a field. Such was the, 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 the nearness of God. And, and I know that I've experienced that myself, that actually you don't want to go back to normal life. You want to stay where God has drawn near. And that's what Peter says here. In, something, in some ways he's saying, let's set up a tent. He's saying, Jesus, let's just stay here where it's good, where it looks good, where there's bright light, where there's the warmth of your glory. Let's just set up camp where God has drawn near. But friends, life isn't lived on the top of the mountain in this life, sadly. We have to go back down. I don't say that to squash or quench anything that God has done. But actually, friends, what God has done on the mountaintop, we are chartered and we are compelled and we are commanded to take that down to the valleys, to take that down to the people we encounter, to take that to our workplaces, to our friends, and to testify to the goodness and the glory of Jesus. I'm so encouraged to hear that that's what the young people are already doing. Trying to get their friends to come to Magnitude next, next year. Trying to get their friends to come to church this Sunday. And grown-ups, we have a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn. And Peter, after this, he's told, you know, no, we need, you need to listen to my son. And, and then Jesus says, you know, actually, we, we need to go back down. And as they go back down, Jesus says, he charges them not to tell anyone as to who he is. Until he had risen from the dead. And friends... He has risen from the dead. And we are no longer told to be silent. But we've been given a great commission. Go into the world and make disciples. Tell people about Jesus. So let the revelation that we've had, let the encouragement, Sandy Hills, that you've, you've heard this morning, I pray that it sparks a fire in our hearts. And my prayer is that the young people, they don't have to go to magnitude to have these experiences. But actually, we are able to cultivate in this place a nearness of God's presence, a love for his word, a love for one another, experiences of God moving in power, proclamation of the kingdom and demonstration of the kingdom. That's what we want to see, isn't it? Yes. And as we see that happen in this place, let us not stay silent any longer. But let us listen to the charge that Jesus has given us as his followers to go into Sandy Hills, to go into Mount Vernon, to go into the East End of Glasgow, to go into this nation and to tell people about Jesus. Because it is good news. Let us pray.
Father God, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives over the last number of weeks, months, and years. And God, we thank you that you are a God who's at work in this place. We thank you that your church, that your bride is always growing. Lord, we thank you for Jack giving his life to Jesus at magnitude. Lord, we thank you for both him and and Luke testifying that they want to get baptized. We thank you for the inner healing that you've brought to so many of our young people whilst they were away. God, we thank you for the call that you're placing upon Abby. And we thank you, Father, for all that you have done in each and every one of them. God, we thank you for Stephen. We thank you for Iona. We thank you for Emily and Lauren and Adam. Lord, we thank you for Erica and Luca. We thank you for Neve, Lord. We thank you for Luke and for Jack. We thank you for Adam. Lord, we thank you that Brian and Becca came away with us. God, we thank you that you are on the move in this place. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do in our present. Because God, you are alive and you are active. And we pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, seal and secure all that you've done in our lives and our hearts. May the enemy not quench it. But God, may it go from glory to glory. May the fire that you have started in this place, Lord, would you fan it into a massive bonfire that people can't help but notice that there is something happening in Sandy Hills. And God, it is that you are at work, that you have drawn near, that you are shining your face upon us. Lord, let it be so. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.